0: hey everyone welcome to another episode of the leader series um we've got elizabeth press elizabeth press from d3m lab which is a data blog and an online community um, we go through a lot about how data can give real business outcomes um, and elizabeth is a an evangelizer for that um, and someone that i feel is we've got a really interesting kind of point of view about how we can best lead technology to help drive businesses so Without further ado, here's Elizabeth Press from D3M Labs. Thank you. Elizabeth, hi. Nice to meet you.
1: Nice to meet you too.
0: How are you today?
1: I'm great. And yourself?
0: I am not too bad, yes. I'm uh, it's uh, it's spring, or it's April when we were doing this, April 23. And the sun is finally out in Britain. So I know you're in, in Germany, so probably got the same same sort of weather as us. But it's been a very cold, dark, um, rainy winter. So today it actually feels like we're out the other side of it. If you know, to me, I don't know what it's like in Germany for you.
1: In Berlin, yeah. it's pretty much the same. It's been, you know, um, rainy and sunny and even a bit snowy and haily, which is...
0: Yeah, we want to get, we want to get away from that, get to the summer, don't we, so it's all been too, too bad news, if you know but great to have you here. Um, for our listeners' benefit, we've got Elizabeth Press here. Um, She is the creator and owner of D 3 m Labs, which is a blog, which is based around data. Um, and we're going to go into quite a lot of kind of data, detail about it. I'm, we've been really interested in following it over the last kind of, few years. It's been going for 10 years. Um, and uh, Elizabeth has been very helpful talking to us in our data community. Um, but we're always interested in speaking to leaders in our network, and we felt that uh, it would be great to get Elizabeth on to have a, her own show, as it were, uh, and to talk here. So uh, welcome, Elizabeth. It's been great to speak to you. But obviously, I've done a little bit of you know, introduction to D3M. Um, but you know, where, where we always like to to start is just to kind of understand from your side. a little bit about about the kind of the organization you represent and maybe some of the kind of key messages that you're you're trying to kind of get across in the blog and in the community
1: Yeah, sure So D3M is Data Driven Decisions and Data Driven Decision Making and that is the the name of the blog the Data Driven Decision Making blog but it's also coming from the fact that Decisions are how we get value out of data. Mm. And the blog is really aimed at getting value out of data. And when I say value out of data, I mean financial value. Sure. So how could companies and organizations manage their data teams and their data assets in a way that is financially profitable? And the way it came about was between... 2015 and 2020, I call it D3M Labs 1.0. Mm. It was actually a consulting company. where right, okay. I worked with, with startups and also corporates running data innovation programs. I then became a data leader. And then recently in October of 2022, mm. uh, there was some inspiration and I was able to scale the blog to other people and build this community um, to, mm. to really talk with each other about how we, as data practitioners, as data leaders, also people in the adjacent professions and the investors, how we could all work together and actually make data work in a financially sustainable way.
0: For yourself, obviously, because I've kind of looked at the blog, you know, and, and obviously the community and the consultancy um two questions really so as you made that decision to kind of move it more to you know a a blog and i'm quite interested in that kind of element of that online community you know how how did that um has that kind of changed your working practices because i know you come from like a journalistic background right 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 in the past is it kind of is it like kind of going full circle kind of back to when you're kind of producing content, producing stories, that sort of thing? Is it, is it quite exciting for you as a leader?
1: Yeah, yes, definitely. Yeah. It's a completely different business model. The 2.0, the blog and the community mm. is an advertising and sponsorship business model yeah. as opposed to a consulting business model. And the work is completely different. Mm. So it's a lot about creating relevant content getting Mm. the relevant conversation going and um, really building something that means a lot to a lot of people yeah uh, rather than you know doing projects and bringing organizations forward which is meaningful to people but i feel like the blog is more brought to a broad base of people and Mm. yes the daily work is much more journalistic than Mm. Um, like hands on practitioner,
0: like. You, uh, uh, when, when you're kind of sat, sat at your desk in the morning, do you kind of feel, you know, that you have to have that kind of innovation? Because I, I always find for myself it's quite kind of interesting when you think about kind of your daily activities, that sort of thing. Have you had to kind of like manage yourself slightly differently in terms of the kind of the way you work? Because I guess when you're working on a project for, for an, an organization or an employer, there's a list of tasks isn't there that's kind of set out by the project whereas this is maybe more kind of a, as an entrepreneur maybe more kind of you know down to yourself to kind of decide on a day-to-day basis what's happening where we're we going the vision itself
1: i think in anything you need goals and you need processes hmm. so people are surprised when i tell them that d3m labs actually has processes i yeah. have my own processes how i get the people i Interview, Hmm. how I agree with them, the scope of the work, how I get the content and create the content, how I edit it, how I post it, how I also look at SEO. And the processes get more complicated over time as there's more elements that I put in. For example, SEO and um, Google Analytics and these Hmm. things, and how I organize my time but I think especially when you're an entrepreneur and you're starting on your own thing you need to be super duper organized and yeah for sure I think processes are something you even need with one person to really do something on scale
0: and I think yeah this it is important isn't it it's um well I like writing a book or something like that isn't it you have to kind of drive yourself forward and these are the things we're going to kind of do but there's not maybe so many people to kind of pick you up on the other side, like a boss or a, you know, an investor or something like that, you need to kind of you know, have that drive. And the other thing I think is really important about D3M, and I think this is obviously some, something we've already spoken about, is that what you're, you're driving with the blog and driving with the community is that you feel that people can use data, both in terms of society and in terms of business. You know, you've mentioned the kind of financial kind of imperative but just you, you feel that it can be improved within, within the commercial and business world. So and in, I think you're doing that from experience, um, but I guess that links into some kind of challenges that are there in the data world at the moment. And that's, you know, from my, from my research within D3M, that's one of the things you're talking about quite a lot. So what, how, how would you categorize those, those key challenges? You know, what, what is it that we're trying to improve here and what are the key kind of tasks that need to happen?
1: Well, I think anytime you're looking at financial value, which is, let's say, return on investment, you have what you get out of it and what you put into it, the cost. So if we just um, categorize those two elements, there is the what you get out of it. So the insight, the um, even an automated decision making tool like a recommendation engine or something like that. What do you get out of it? What's the value? And data needs to get much better at, at getting that value. So I think that, first of all, the analysts who are the front lines to the business, they need to be able to be maybe embedded in the business, but there needs to be a focus on what the data is actually used for and the decision making um, rather than coding or You know, often analysts are are, um, spending a lot of time coding, correcting code, um, doing things that are not analytical output, and I think that there needs to be a focus on that, but also a focus on stop the ad hoc work, and, you know, analysts are just sort of looking up information, but make analysts actually embedded in the decision-making process and make them part of the decision-making rather than just at the end of it. And I think that's how you get more output. And I would say also in terms of an um, artificial intelligence or machine learning product, let's say like a recommendation engine, that is something also that needs to be managed in a very professional way. There's product management for data science products as well. So we have to get away from this artisanal data science that we have had in the last decade and really create a data science culture that is embedded in the business and where algorithmic products are managed just like any other product.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's it, it, it's that kind of element of data sometimes in that it's when you're using words like analytics and science and even the word data, you know, People are obviously, you know, lay people, and I'm going to include myself in that. And this is where I guess you kind of stride the two sides, right? So you kind of come from that background where you come from a, a journalist background, a functional background, international economics background, moving into data. So you kind of have empathy, as it were, for the for the person that uses it that uses the output, but doesn't really understand how the output is put together. You know, I think for me. Um using understanding data, you kind of read about what the output is, but you I guess you understand because you understand both sides what more can actually be achieved and how it can be achieved better. So you know myself, if I see some data reports or a recommendation engine or something like that, I'm like, well, that's clever. <laughs> that works really well you know but but you know more what could actually be achieved if if the investment was done correctly and the output was was targeted in the right way.
1: Yeah, and so I would say then the other side of the equation is the cost side. And I think this really needs to be brought under control as well. And I think that um, what's changing now is you do see low code, no code coming out. You do see human understandable data pipelines. I think that these armies of junior coders who who would integrate these um, very complicated or they were made to be complicated and often unnecessarily complicated data pipelines together and be forever fixing them. That generated huge amounts of costs. The um, cloud computing pay as you go, where people would make these queries that were completely not optimized and they, there would be no data governance, and people would just um, leave queries running crazy costs. For a long time and not look at that until the costs were the problem. And I think that data has to grow up and it has to become more of a, um, like, I don't want to say a normal, (laughs) but more like, um, any other function where costs are controlled, where there is governance. And I think that that really needs to grow up. So the data function has to grow up, but also stakeholders and the business has to grow up and they have to stop using data like an ad hoc question machine.
0: Yeah, it should, you should have data-driven decisions, but you should be able to make the best possible decisions with the best possible data for the, like you are saying, the best possible cost, right?
1: Yeah, and that needs product thinking. So you yes. have to look at data output as a product, like anything else. Uh, we were talking about rec- recommendation engines, mm. but you also have things such as dashboards or even yep. insights um, and deep dives. And these have to be properly scoped out.
0: Mm. You
1: know, They have to be planned for, and that has to be able to be managed. And the data has to be managed like an asset. Data is extremely expensive for a company to collect, to keep. Data professionals are expensive, and their time has to be managed much better. And they have to also have the freedom to do that, and not have this um, service desk. Yeah, way mentality. Of that many of them are yeah. forced into.
0: Yeah, one of the things we talk about quite a lot in the leaders series as a as a kind of warning to all to IT people is the, the Microsoft Excel question, which is IT is working heavily to. Kind of implement a CRM system or a dashboard or a data set, and then you know salespeople are sat there within their next, uh, an Excel spreadsheet, basically doing all the things that that are being might even spend hundreds of thousands or millions of pounds or euros to, to implement, and then someone's like, yeah, yeah, I've got a spreadsheet for that." you know and I think uh, Microsoft's obviously invented a very a very clever tool when they invented Excel which must wind IT people up intensely when they think, why Why are you using this spreadsheet when I've created this beautiful piece of software? Then you must also think, well, if someone could do it on an Excel spreadsheet, those are the actual pieces of data they want, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, Excel has stood the test of many innovation cycles and people trying to eradicate it from their organization and yet (laughs) it's still there. One has to give Microsoft credit for
0: that now there's google sheets but yeah yeah yeah. it's right where everyone's (laughs) trying to jump on the bandwagon aren't they but but i think that it's 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 really really important and i think you know kind of coming back to that data question the other kind of challenge that obviously we talk about quite a lot with with data is the whole idea of the use of data itself in terms of Mm -hmm. you know the the gdpr questions obviously that we have in in europe data protection you know cyber security etc etc you know, do you feel that potentially that as a as a data specialist, sometimes people are looking more for the, the output from the data. So therefore, you know, they're not thinking so much about the, the kind of the social challenges, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, that you have within the data. Or sometimes do you feel that sometimes people are kind of worrying too much about the, the data protection elements and the security elements? And they're not kind of, you know, trying to kind of challenge those to kind of work through to get the best outputs. Yeah. What, what do you, what do you think are the most, what kind of highest priorities for the data people that you speak to?
1: So I won't get into the politics of data privacy. Yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. But um, I will say that I do see that sometimes schools or whatever, or um, volunteer groups sometimes struggle with GDPR and to try to get it right. So Mm -hmm. maybe there's something that needs to be done for those groups to make it more workable. But in terms of organizations and um, data, I think that data needs to grow up. And I think that people need to um, maybe see these privacy elements as part of growing up. I mean, Mm. um, when you work in the financial sector, you also have compliance. Compliance is huge. So um, this is part of data actually becoming a grown-up function where you have to have governance, you have to have um, traceability, observability, Mm. and it can't just be these like messy data sets everywhere that the way it has been for the past 10 years, like if you go to many organizations. So it's it's how you look at it.
0: yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's really...
1: really a chance to, to mm-hmm. really take the organization to the um, executive level, like take the yeah. data organization to the executive level and get involved in those sort of um, business process type conversations and strategic mm-hmm. conversations rather yeah. and that needs to be the view of data how could we actually use this compliance and this, these new um these new elements that we have to take into account to to make ourselves actually more viable yeah more
0: useful to, to the business yeah yeah no, rather yeah. than seeing it as a kind of an obstacle to get around you know if you're i guess if you look at data like an asset then the accountancy world is, is you know, or the, the world of the accountancy team is, or finance is one that's, one where that's respected and, you know, it's kind of worked in a kind of grown-up way, as you say, you know, and they, they expect to be audited every year, don't they? You know, a full, proper audit in terms of everything you've done with every single pound, penny and pence or euro and cent, you know, in terms of, you know, what's happened, whereas, you know, other ele- elements of the industry, that's really a kind of where they should kind of get to. So, so now I think it's, it's, it's really interesting and you know, again it's um it's that kind of dark art element of it some sometimes, even for C suite people, you know, they're not necessarily so so locked into how are we producing this data, what could we actually get from this data, how much is it costing us even? Is the cost the right cost? Could it be less? Could it be more? If I invested more, could I get more? You know, etc. etc. I I think people are quite quite in the dark art of it, I guess, from doing something like D three M that's what you're trying to help, like right? trying to, to kind of pr- pull back the curtain somewhat and show people kind of how to overcome those challenges and, and what they should be expecting, right?
1: Yeah, it's to change behavior and to change the mindset. And I think the world is waking up to this. I mean, there's some rude awakenings like interest rates. So money isn't so cheap anymore. And there is more of a cost to the burn rate, Okay. Data has been part of this burn rate, but let's put it out there. And then there's all these layoffs. So, um, you know, people have gotten consequences uh, to, to the, this sort of behavior. And I think that this is, I think that there is something out there in the community. And that's, I think why D3M Labs is getting much bigger and growing is because people realize, look, we have to get better we have to actually be able to observe the data. We have to be able to um, to, to, to produce value in a much um, more visible way, in a much more sustainable way going forward if we want to have a stable livelihood, if we want to get somewhere in our careers. These sorts of also very personal aspirations as well.
0: Yeah. So if we um, look at... Um you know the you know one of our targets is the leaders you know that, that will be mm-hmm. listening to this and if they're if they're struggling maybe with their data teams and how to improve obviously the first thing they should do is is become a member of d3m and then then read 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 your advice or maybe even reach out to you elizabeth and say help me but um what are the kind of key things that a, a leader should do to to kind of about those challenges? What what, what sort of structure should they they set up to have a more successful data team?
1: Well, they need to understand the business um, because data is a function that doesn't exist for itself. It exists within the fabric of a business. So they need to understand what the business strategy is. And on the other hand, the people... Like at the top, the C-suite, the CEO has to involve the data people from the beginning. This, there needs to be a mindset change as well. The, the data people can't, you know, be always trying to get into the room. Um, but then also the data people have to become more business minded. Data has to become a business function. And I think that the real killer of um I would say the ability of a data function to create ROI is the fact that it is seen as an IT function when it is, in fact, a business function. Because data is an extremely valuable asset to the business. And data will be used either to drive good decision making as well as to be part of the product, to be a smart, you know, there's... There's the smart devices, the algorithmic products, um, so also automated processes. Data is the part of is an integral part of any modern enterprise.
0: Yeah, no, I guess it like links into something like kind of yeah, human resources, like, you know, which is obviously the element that, that, that GCS works in, and the change over the the last few years for it to become talent. You know, obviously, talent's a, a cool world, but I think it definitely changes the game somewhat in terms of, you know, the, the asset of having human beings. And what you're talking about here is having the asset of data and, and how you best use it in the same way as you should look at your workforce and say, how can we best best use those? Then it's not just a, a number, it's an asset, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Hmm. And, um, do you, I mean, when you kind of work with, with organisations... When you When you think about you know how how the business kind of works and, and that sort of thing what what are the first kind of pieces of advice that you give to to other kind of data leaders and and, and people that you're kind of working with when when people first kind of come into the d three m world you know what, what, what how do you how do you kind of set off to kind of on that path to having good data management and good data outcomes
1: Well, I will say that it's a blog and a data community. So it's people get into the discussions in how the discussions are going on at the moment. So there's, um, so it's a lot of people are, you know, hearing about this from their friends and I post on LinkedIn a lot. There's a newsletter that people, um, could sign up for and they, they look at the newsletter and they forward it to their friends, um, and their colleagues. So it's, Generally, people get interested in a topic that we're talking about, and the topics are very varied, um, and they're also brought up by the community. So there are a lot of guest bloggers and also teams that co-host roundtables and decision labs, and it's really based on people's interest, and that's what it's driven by. And of course, you know, I do do things like I listen to social media and you know the news and also from my own experience i bring up topics so it's sort of like a crowdsource way to get the topic so it people will come in um based on the topics that we're talking about at the moment and they'll stay because they find the conversation very interesting
0: that's great that's quite interesting exciting sorry for you to to see this you know this is know like your creation kind of coming coming alive in front of you right you know i guess you're you know looking at the impressions, looking at the kind of the membership numbers looking Mm. at the amount of new content you know you wake up in the morning and there's a new thread on there and you're like wow i didn't even do this you know must be it must be exciting for you to see
1: yeah i mean what's really interesting is that it impacts people's lives uh so a lot of data people are um, immigrants or migrants, whatever you want to call them, um, people who move between countries and a lot of people who end up at the D3M lab, Stammtisch, that's like a regulars table, like every, these monthly meetings and restaurants or whatever, are people who've moved from other countries to Germany and they, you know, they're just meeting people and they get you know, they write a blog or they get interviewed and they'll be like sharing it with their parents and everything. Um, so it's also very personal to people. And I see that people also make a lot of personal contacts. Um, they, they recruit each other. They also hang out with each other. So it's, it's, even, it's quite personal and meaningful to people. And I think that that's, that's really interesting
0: and and from that community at the moment obviously you mentioned a little bit about layoffs there but obviously you're you're really hearing how people are are seeing the world at this moment and we know for uh, for everyone it's been a challenging few years and you know let's put it into kind of relations for some some people in some countries even more challenging right These are 21st century or western problems but what's the sort of kind of the sense you're getting from your community in terms of their their thoughts about you know, kind of the layoffs and the economic downturns and, and what are your thoughts about it because obviously we're talking about costs and investment mm-hmm. here and it does seem that you know businesses are taking a quite a, quite a harsh stance at the moment on you know over hires within the technical technic community and and, and and making quite a lot of quite 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 drastic cutbacks. so so what firstly what, what what is your community saying about that and what's their feeling
1: well At every Stammtisch or, you know, at these monthly Mm -hmm. meetings, um, people ask, who's unemployed? It's like the first question when people come in, do you have your job or have you found a job? So that is a huge part of the conversation is people's Mm -hmm. employment status um, and, of course, the the impact of that. And as I said, a lot of the people are newcomers to Germany so i've been here for 20 years okay Mm. i i know this country i speak this language and Mm. i I have a pretty stable um existence here Mm. a lot of people who've been laid off are coming from very different countries don't Mm. have a stable status don't have um money necessarily and Mm. have to deal with things like um losing their apartments which they're subletting or they're like three layers of subletting (laughs) Uh, trying to find a job in a country that they don't understand, not being able to get employment benefits because they don't understand the system. or yeah. um, So there's, there's a lot of issues um, going on now. Housing, there's a big housing crisis here. So, you know, when you're from some other country and you look very different from the native population here and you don't speak the language... You don't have a job and your savings are like that little. How do you find accommodation here? Um, And you can't go back home. So I think that there is a lot of, I would say, serious problems that have come in the wake wake of this that actually I am seeing through my community. And people do ping me on LinkedIn, um, you know, for help with these things. And it's actually really sad for me sometimes because I can't help people find apartments or these things. But I do see that this is the consequence of a lot of overhiring.
0: And I I guess that links into, in some ways, the way I see it, is exactly what you're saying. Because if something can't show value, you know, um, how can I say it sounds too harsh? You always say, like, you know, whenever there's job cuts, people say, "Oh, the marketing or, or talent are the first to go because they mm-hmm. don't provide value straight away. And generally it's like the salespeople that are the last to go because they're the ones kind of selling, right? So it's quite easy to see a, a salesperson's yeah. relevant relevant output because they've just made a sale that's worth a million and everyone's excited about it. Um, and I guess that goes back to what you're saying about, about data is that you know, in your community, if the data community can't show its value to you know the people that make business decisions about heads and human resources or talent, then then they they, they, they are quite vulnerable, aren't they?
1: Yeah. Mm, this is this is definitely the issue. Yeah. Uh, I think also I mean there's this is a very complex problem in the social yeah. aspects yeah. of it yeah. but i do think it's a the value and b the cost and yeah. i think this tooling um i talk a lot about the culture of tooling and this needs to change as well you know the people that i think people buy too many tools okay and okay. then they integrate just, just for
0: the uh, just for the lay people here do, what, what do you mean by tooling just just so do i know yeah.
1: like a software <laughs> package like, right okay uh, like a piece of software that does a specific thing, okay? And then you usually have to pay, you know, some subscription fee to it. And it's a problem that when new managers come in, they buy tools or, you know, because you have people who are so interested in the tools, they they buy the tools and... um,
0: Then they still got the old tools. They've got all the tools, yeah.
1: (laughs) And then they have to integrate all the tools and then um, they, they underestimate the resources and then they buy, then they have to pay for more people. And it's just this um, ever-growing amount of complexity that creates the need for more headcount. And it's really, um, what's the source of all of this? It's technocracy. Um, So where people are just focused on the very interesting um, technology behind data without being interested in the finances. Um, and it's um, people not taking into account the complexity every time you make a new tool or every time you buy a new tool, y- you have this like tool, um, you have like the drag of human capital that you need to support the tool. And this is something that people don't understand or they don't want to understand and they just go for the tool. Yeah, I actually talked to a lot of vendors about this. Yeah. Um, and this is something new coming from being a data leader to now, like, you know, blogging yeah. is I get to really um, have great conversations with the vendors that i never had before.
0: Sure. And yeah, I'm learning
1: yeah. that vendors are seeing this as a problem because I thought, okay, whenever I'm a vendor and I just sell the tool and that's great because I just want to sell and sell and sell. And that's how I make money as a vendor that was my
0: what you want is it. renewals isn't it you want them to say actually i've had it for two years so i want it even more and actually i want more of it you know we're only going to yeah, do that and... if it actually has proved to be useful for you right
1: yeah and then they say yeah but then it's not really that great what's going on because we get the sales but we don't get the renewals, so we get unhappy customers and yeah,
0: yeah. and implementing yeah. for the for the vendor costs money so they probably like write off the first year of the contract because they have to implement it, and the way they really make money is the second and the third year. It's is like right, okay, it's working for you now. Would you like more licenses or another five years of the? And a happy customer says yes, please. I really need that. So that whole customer success element is is so important, and we see it in recruitment as well. There's so many different tools. I think tooling is a is a really important thing. One one, one last question I had was in a very interesting kind of conversation but i'm just quite kind of interested in in the kind of you know i've asked a few people about this the kind of the ai element of of all of this you know how you feel you know maybe the you know there's a lot of moves and talks about kind of you know ai chat gpt that sort of thing at the moment you know how how do you think that will kind of you know affect the, the the data industry as well just just in a kind of few quick kind of moments if you think it will have a real kind of effect on on the world that you you inhabit,
1: I think that making things um, human understandable and making processes um, able to be um, kicked off and managed in human understandable language rather than code is very valuable, because that makes that makes actually coding, which is a huge bottleneck, actually code the ability to. The, the um, reliance on people who can code is a huge expense bottleneck and it actually removes that. And it makes us able to focus on the architecture, on the business question, on value stream. And that's huge. And I, I find that a huge opportunity. And I think in terms of um, recruiting, um, what it's gonna do is people are going to look um, probably much more focused Looking for focused hires, it's probably going to help the overhiring because this this expensive bottleneck of always needing these junior coders to
0: yeah do the code as it were yeah 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 because in the end what it links into is a is a question you can put together so a data set for your business you know whatever data set you could write you know I've been playing around with these types of things and you can get them to kind of create things for you 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 can get them to create things I mean is there's elements that it can't do. Obviously, I think it is, there's elements of Emperor's New Clothes if you ask it some questions. And it's like, you know, if I ask it who's going to win the premiership this year in soccer, it never can give me the right answer. But uh, that's because it doesn't know live data, does it? And that sort of thing. But I think overall, it's it's a very kind of interesting kind of aspect of it. And like you said, you know, I, I mean, I'm just, just thinking to myself about kind of data in terms of You know, when when the printing press and kind of writing and all that sort of stuff, when that used to be just monks that you could write, couldn't it? You know, you you could only there was only certain people that could write, so that the kind of education and you know intelligence in some ways was kind of held within a very small amount of people. And I guess what your argument is is sometimes that's like what programmers are. You know, they're like kind of very specialist people that can't do stuff, whereas this element of actually looking at what they do and how they do it and what you actually want to get out of your business. You know, you want to be able to make data driven decisions as a business person, don't you? And you want to be able to have the right data that you need. Um, And I think what you're arguing is, let's try and make that as easily accessible and as useful as we possibly can, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly. And I love that analogy to the monks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because, I mean, people learning to read did not put monks out of business. No? They're still around. I, there was maybe other things that put monks out of business, but it wasn't the printing press.
0: No, that's right, yeah. <laughs> that's right, yeah. I still say, still, still must be a few monks. They, they, they're, they're kind of, well, they've got their vows of silence and they're, they're making wine and honey and that sort of thing instead now, aren't they, the monks? So, so yeah, that was great. Yeah, I, I think not very often you'll get a, the monks and data scientists that, you know, we, we feel, me and Elizabeth feel they're very similar. So there we go. <laughs> good stuff.
1: But that's, a, that's actually a really good analogy. They were the keepers of this knowledge in the medieval ages. And then at one point it got democratized.
0: Now, you know, socially, if we really want to go into history, that caused a lot of upheaval, didn't it? In terms of <laughs> religious wars and that sort of thing. But hey, this is not this is the wrong podcast for that sort of stuff. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that's actually <laughs> opening up a whole lot of interesting conversation. We <laughs> have another podcast, we have a whole series exactly. based
0: on that. Yeah, fantastic, good stuff. Well, and great to speak to you today. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Um, a little plug. If you're going to give the uh, the URL there, Elizabeth, just so if you want to kind of go onto the D3M website and have a look, what is it?
1: www. dot d three m labs. l a b s. dot
0: Fantastic, and it's got some really great resources, really interesting conversations, and um, something that if you're interested in data or leading a business that is making data-driven decisions, is definitely one I would suggest you kind of go and have a look at i definitely have things thank you very much elizabeth
1: and sign up for our newsletter too every month we also send a digest of a lot of um, different thought leadership
0: brilliant fantastic elizabeth thank you very much for your time and uh, i hope you have a great day